0: happy that you're on the show. It's just um, a really wonderful thing. We've kind of crossed paths at a few award shows and a few times, you know, yeah. um, but it's actually nice to actually sit down and have a proper, proper chat with you. I'm going to go um, backwards for the first time in these interviews that I've been doing for, for the Absolute Radio, The Skin Show, yeah. um, and talk about now rather than kind of I tend to kind of talk about people's earlier lives and then come up to date. but actually with you I just thought it's much more interesting to talk about what you're doing now um because I want to talk about TikTok because um you want to like the small number of like rock artists that have been around for like a long time and have really embraced social media and the new way of doing things like my band like half of them When I mentioned TikTok, half of them are like, no fucking way, not interested. The other half are like, I know it's very important and I know Mm. we should do it, but if you set it up and you organize it for me, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Um it's like they know it's important, they don't want to do it, but for me, I like how did you start it? Did you have like a clear idea? of what you wanted to do or did you kind of like fall into it and then develop it because for our listeners Justin has um, a YouTube channel and then has some pieces of it on a on the TikTok and it's, it's brilliant but first of all just let's talk about um, how, how you started it
1: well the first thing I did was um, I started a Patreon and um, that was because when when Covid started I was just in this house and I had no furniture it was all for for lots of different personal reasons, I ended up in this weird situation where I couldn't work and I was on my own and uh, struggling a bit emotionally and and also financially. Yeah. Um, so I started the Patreon up, and it was kind of like a lot of video-based content. I was doing tutorials, um, and I was doing like I suppose Zoom calls with with patrons and and. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff and it took up a lot of my time kept me busy kept me sane kept me kept the wolf from the door as it were kept the uh, mortgage payments happening and and my yeah. and all the other things that i have to think about um and then my producer who i use for who works with me on the patreon suggested that i do the youtube thing because she has some experience in in doing the youtube thing for a very 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 famous and very very successful youtube personality who um who's got you know millions of subscribers and and never needs to work again probably um and she thought that i'd probably you know having had some experience in front of the camera i'd probably be all right to do it and so i started um i started that about a year ago and um, the TikTok is actually just as you said snippets it's, yeah it's, yeah it's excerpts from the stuff i'm doing on youtube and i don't actually and I shouldn't admit this really, but I don't even have TikTok on my phone because I think I'm a little <laughs> sort of reluctance that your bandmates have. This It's kind of like, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of things that I'd end up wasting so much time looking at people dancing and you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I, I understand that TikTok is such a multifaceted platform. I mean, it has a lot of different, like it has a business facing, has a monetized side has you yeah. know specific music trends and the stuff for sports people and all the dancing things that we associate it with and it's a really great tool for for this stuff so we, we were just using it to promote the YouTube and then like uh, for some reason um I think TikTok made me their artist of the month twice last year which was yeah. very strange because I was putting no effort into it and it was kind of like paying dividends so <clears throat> that the TikTok thing I've just fallen into really but uh the YouTube thing has become my my main raison, my main thing, I suppose, that, I, that yeah. I do on a daily basis, you know.
0: I mean, it's it's interesting because what I really love about your TikTok is that, and the YouTube channel, is that there's a lot of things that people didn't really realise about Justin Hawkins. Like, you have a huge um, amount of knowledge, you know, the way that you talk about music and the way you get the ideas across, you know, I was watching your bit about, you know, Guns N' Roses, you know, should he give up and stuff and, you know, the bit about the fact that people wouldn't really realise that yeah, you know, two or three guitarists, they all hit the one differently, they played before in on and behind. And it's kind of, there's a, like a lack of a reverency because you take on a Foo Fighters, you take on, is Jolly Depp a poser, is one of the things. It's like your own pure opinion um and but at the same time you, you know you take the piss and it just gives like a whole appreciation of what you're about i mean so many people don't understand that you know we're kind of from an era i mean i know we're 10 years uh before you but we're from an era that you had to really know all those things to be good in a band right
1: yeah yeah i think it's i mean that it's a, sometimes i worry that i just come across as the old man that's shouting at a cloud <laughs> 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 You know, that whole thing of like, oh, when, when I was young, it was, uh, you had to be able to play your instrument and all that sort of stuff. So I try and avoid those tropes, but, mm. and even though there's sort of truisms in that really, um, it's more about the, 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 times when that becomes, um, something that I need to be really careful of is when I'm talking about pop music, because I think that pop music has always been just sewage, you know, it's just been like a waist high sea of nothing. You know, it's vacuous. Meaningless stuff that doesn't move people like you and I because, you know, we're musical people and we understand that that that's just. I should say, say I do
0: times, like pop music though. I like so I like it. I'm kind of like if I can see there's depth through it and it's done well because you know pop music really comes out of Motown. You know when those songs, you know all that kind of thing.
1: No, of course. If it, there's a story behind it, it's it. done you're well. About, um, the, the, there's always things in every genre that pops up and the, yeah. That, and once it sort of emerges from the parapet, you're kind of like you've got stuff that crosses over and you've got things yeah. that are undeniably well, well written stuff. And you've even got things that are original, but mm. I'm talking about the rest of pop. I mean, you've <laughs> that the sludge yeah. that goes out to our neck. Yeah, exactly. 100,000 tracks added to Spotify or the streaming services every day. I mean, you've got to say 99% of that is unlistenable. It's horrible. Yeah. I'm just curious about how much time you give a song before you reject it. Do you get to the first chorus or?
0: Um, As a songwriter myself, I like to at least, if I haven't got to, unless it's like an instrumental beginning, but if I haven't got to a chorus by about a minute, a minute and a half, then I kind of give up or I'll jump through it. Because then I'm kind of like, yeah, you guys, unless you're a prog rock band or something like that, it's deliberate, you know? you guys have no idea what you're doing you know
1: um
0: but i kind of like the
1: first first record and the first things that you have to do to get noticed needs to have like a pop arrangement 30 seconds
0: yeah Yeah. it has to have a pop arrangement so i i kind of unless as i say it's deliberate or it's it's like techno or house music which i love Mm. that's a whole different way of it but i like to uh, for me 35 40 seconds course has got to come in there um and i do tend to do i'll tend to sometimes if it's got me and I can feel the song's building, then I'll listen to it up to the second chorus. Because yeah. I think, you know, d- giving a, a song hook, one minute is not in enough. the
1: first moment, don't you? You need something.
0: Yeah. Sometimes like, the chorus is kind of good. But then if I listen to the chorus the second time round and they haven't built on it and there isn't anything else coming in there, it's not a grower, yeah. then I'm like, mm. But there Once are times you know, when I'll two, listen to two seconds and I'm like, no.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> the opening gambit is so offensive, you just stop. But the um, I, I remember when I was because I've done a bit of writing for other artists and and so I was on a meatloaf writing camp.
0: So yeah, I saw that
1: about ten years or twelve years ago now, and um, we were, I was working with Eric Nally from Foxy Shazam, and we came up with this chorus that was something like, "I can barely fit my dick in my pants." Whoa! <laughs> it was justified by the verse that came before, but unfortunately. Yeah. Milo sent one of his guys in and they said okay let's have listen to the chorus and we're like uh, no, when we oh, the <laughs> then they heard it and then it was like next next conversation we had was they wanted to send us home <laughs> but uh, we got away with it because when they heard the song they were like okay so we just need to change that lyric and then and then they couldn't find anything better than so that. has
0: it gotten to that now people just go straight to the chorus
1: I think in a, in a writing camp they will yeah they'll go let's see let's hear the wow. chorus then let's what you got and then they don't, they don't care about the rest of it until the the chorus has a suitable hook to justify the rest of it. I, I think in, on a thing like Meatloaf, that's really surprising when you think about how yeah. smalling the the Jim Steinman stuff used to be. And like exactly, he's known
0: write. for kind of elaborate, kind of complicated songs in many ways. Definitely, that like it, he
1: he would also do repetition of certain lines that you wouldn't necessarily get away with now. You there's there's yeah. no way to justify some of the stuff that he used to do, and, and he's extra great for it you know for having been able to make a career like that you know
0: but i think i did a writing camp uh, a couple of years ago in uh, nashville which was Mm -hmm. a real um fantastic eye opener for me because i'd never done one before those guys and Yeah. yeah it was really just incredible uh it was kind of let down a bit by um some situations not because it was like a each each group was like a producer a writer and a musician so Mm. those are the three things you need to need to do a great demo Mm. and then but some of the studios we're working on they were like really not put well put together and some of the studios were incredible so it was a bit bit hit and miss but yeah it was really quite because one of the things they wanted to do was write for like bts and things like that um which i i i couldn't do because you know it's just too it's too vacuous for me I'm yeah. not saying it's not good or whatever it's it this it's just not anything for me yeah. to be able to there's no connection how am I supposed to write for a bunch of like Korean boys who don't who are not writers not musicians not anything like that you know it's it's a bunch of people t- behind them taking all the money you know yeah. and so uh that and but and they, they, so they looked at me really incredulously, like you don't want to do a train track for BTS, what's wrong with you? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's the difference, I suppose. You yeah. know, I whatever I whoever I write for, I still got to feel there's some soul, yeah. there's some soul there. You know, it can't all just be a money making thing.
1: My problem with um, the writing stuff is it's the, the things that I write are instantly recognisable. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> That's not a problem. Are we no, instantly in, in recognisable as, as, as the darkness or as Justin?
1: As me or whatever really. I mean, I think the sort of melodies I choose have always got like octave leaps <laughs> and stuff like that, and and I think um, it makes it, it limits the, the kind of people that would be prepared to try and take it on as a vocal. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, they have to have that 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 range. Like ones that all gone
1: well, like Adam Lambert was an easy one, really, because he can sing anything. Yeah, um, he's
0: incredible. It's interesting because I think that what it's done really is the, the TikTok and the YouTube thing. It's like, I mean, people talk a lot about relevancy when they talk about bands that have been around for a while. It's just seen this word that gets like banded about. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that it's really kind of in it's, I think, as, as, People who are interested in making music technically, we're always up there when it comes to like new technology, new social media, and to find out a new our own kind of comfort zone with that. I think that rock music does that particularly badly, and I think it's because there's this idea of you know rock musicians are so they're so kind of like um, it's so important for them to be cool yeah. that you know anything that's perceived not perceived as cool they just run screaming for it and I think in many you know what, ways that's, that, that's that they, they they played safe right they, yeah. they I think the genres played safe and that's why it got left behind in some in, in many ways
1: I feel like there's a certain period of, of rock where um it, it led to some kind of identity crisis or you know people ridiculed the the fashion and the sort of bombast of the 80s rock mm-hmm. um and so like there was a massive rejection of that and then grunge was the thing that, that yeah which you would most readily identify as rock in the 90s and um i feel like the other thing is i think the 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 bits of rock that are undeniably cool and the stuff that's kind of timeless and brilliant and hasn't got the 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 sort of hair hair rock association that stuff is revered to like a degree where it's stopping rock from moving on almost you know so a lot of bands that come out and people get excited about oh yes it's real rock and roll and real rock and roll is a very very specific thing it's kind of it has the same aesthetic as as what bands were doing in the 70s a um, mm. little bit of the 80s um attitude attitudinally but not in the aesthetic and it's kind of like anything that sort of strays from there isn't considered real rock and it leaves you with a really limited sort of set of well it's a set of parameters that you have to work within and you're just doing like blues rock as it was in the 70s and there's no yeah there's no Way for it to sort of evolve and no way for it to expand and very very seldom get bands that cross over unless they're choosing something that's kind of a bit more new wavy or whatever the zeitgeist happens to be or they write a fucking amazing song and that doesn't have just transcends
0: yeah yeah i mean because it's kind of like it's become the the the, the pool of people who are into it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. if you are so worried about being cool and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit obsessed about this idea of being cool because it's kind of like skunk and Nancy were cool and then Britpop came along and decided well we weren't you know Britpop so skunk and Nancy were uncool it's like it was this very much decided kind of thing and I think for you in the darkness you've always kind of skated along this kind of idea of what's cool and what is isn't cool because I think you and I come from there's a lot in common in many ways because you and I come from this idea of like you know what's the point of trying to be the girl or the boy next door you know yeah. all of the people all of the legendary artists are amazing front people you mm. know and i'm not being um vain by saying that you and i are both no, in a category not. of the incredible front people you know so i'm always transfixed by this idea of like they're so hung up on being cool or trying to be cool that actually it does kind of limit the music in many ways like i realized very early on in my career that there's no point in me being trying to be a, a rock star and looking like the girl next door and being like the girl mm-hmm. next door
1: because i'm just not <laughs> no you're not that person you don't you're nothing like the girl <laughs> yeah. next door to me i am um,
0: i it's just i i gave up at the very you know i realized i was trying to fit myself into something that i'm not and actually
1: i always used to talk about this because it was kind of it was something that uh, because we rejected that idea so you know emphatically that uh, people were like oh you can't be serious you can't be you're not gonna be credible And it's like no we're gonna be incredible that's kind of like, <laughs> when is the when has the goal been to to be normal you know that's i just it, for me it hasn't and I, I felt like um i love oasis but i felt like some of the you know the, the way they dress and the way they're kind of gobby northern northern guys and that it's really great and but they're not they're still not the boy next door i mean he's liam gallagher's a great looking person you know with a Mm. unique presence and um the idea of sort of I always thought that the, the rock star is the person that lives at the top of the road, not not like non-ex door. He lives at the top of the yeah. road. Yeah, the person that
0: gets your attention when you look when you look yeah, at them. A a, for some the reason, you head. yeah, for some reason you gravitate towards this person. Going back to TikTok, you know, there's been this massive explosion of artists that are really into rock again. You know, and a lot of it has come from like black and brown TikTok. And I actually went to see Willow last week. um she invited me down um and she was like amazing, and it was really like heartening to see so many of these kids that were in the audience, you know they were like so mixed up, you know different um attitude, you know loads of gay kids, queer kids, loads of kids that were completely straight but purple hair and and it was really kind of like. This is like the scene that started off when I was, you know, when we first started, it was just just like against the grain of what everybody else was doing. And I think these kids, they've they've just had pop, 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 this kind of regurgitated artist, nonstop. And and now we're seeing like all these kids into rock music because it's like, finally they're like, no, rock music is the the genre that has a soul, but they've reinvented it. It's like a (laughs) whole different sound.
1: It's because we demand a counterculture when when there's nothing but just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's the main bit <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe yeah i mean i like willow actually i think she's really talented and um but the uh there's a lot of stuff on TikTok as well that comes through that that falls into the the sewage department and that's um but i think that TikTok and you could argue all of social media has become for the 20 tw- for the 2020s what um, Australian soap operas were for the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, yeah. people are doing music just because, why not? Let's do some music. Yeah. And I think record companies are like, oh, look, this person has been doing like this. Well, it's so easy couple. to
0: make music now, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think that's the reason why you have so much stuff coming out. You know, it's mm. like, I, I built my studio during COVID and I've been someone who's been at the back of the room mm. for, for for a couple Thank of decades. Peter you know oh yeah do this and do that do this you know lord fucking producer at the back and then uh, now it's like I just put a studio together in my house and I'm like it's easy to learn the software it's easy yeah it's It's, the 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 difficult part was understanding music you know understanding the soul of music understanding all that stuff but learn getting the gear and learning the gear and making beats and making songs the gear does it all for you now but the difficult bit was like keys and all the ethereal stuff. That's, that's the hard bit. But I think because it's so easy to make beats and do that, I think that's why so many people, that's why there's so much stuff out there, right?
1: Yeah. Even years ago, I can remember people doing beats and stuff on planes, <laughs> you know, just with <laughs> their headphones on, creating backing tracks to, to later to rap or sing on. Um, so I think it's, it's just getting easier and easier, which yeah. makes it harder to find the good stuff, I suppose
0: yeah there's it's, there's a lot of trawling there's a lot of trawling through yeah. spotify and various other places to, but, it, to but find actually tracks. you know
1: maybe it's um maybe it's the way it always was where the most powerful sort of marketing tool that you have at your disposal is word of mouth you do something <laughs> and people talk about it That's yeah
0: it. Uh, it's all about playlists now isn't it it's just oh, about yeah. you know oh, yeah. finding kind of playlists that are not got less than five ten thousand people and see what they like
1: yeah which i think is um it's taken the power of completely away from the press now like um i feel like when we were coming up and it it might have been the same for you guys as well but um every country had a a different sort of area of media that was the powerful tool for for band exposure i remember it used to be press in the uk used to be radio in america god knows what in in europe (laughs) yeah who knows knows, singing in their language was a big help i think in those days but um, now it's all it's all internet, and mm. really no other recourse for for us. And the other thing is that that labels like they won't take on an artist and develop them. Um, they won't do that anymore unless they've got huge A following on, mm. on on the social media. There's no risk involved anymore because um, you know that if like somebody's got what five million um, TikTok followers. You just record Oof. them with a load of auto-tune yeah, on you've
0: got five million people who are going to be interested but i think i have to say i actually think that's a good thing and this is why because i think that labels no longer have a and our people who know what they're talking about so and i think it puts the onus back on the artists to create the song create the video do all that stuff because there's so much stuff out there now that unless you know how to do all of those things in some ways the ball's been thrown back into the court of the artist unless you know how to do all those things then you're just not gonna you know it's like that's the only way to kind of put your head above the the sewage you know Mm -hmm. is to actually have created all the things so i actually think that's because of the world that we're living in now you know those that's actually a good way to do it is to pick artists that have already done all that basic work. And then that artist can say to you, well, I've got 5 million followers and without you guys, so you can't tell me shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you don't have this person in the record company that's saying, well, I think you should do this and do that. You said, mm, oh, it's yeah. nice that you think that, but you're actually wrong. Cause I'm already, I've already done it myself and yeah. I'm already there because those people, they're very, very few of those people there. I saw you interviewed Rick Rubin, and i was like you know he's one of those people you know that yeah. understand music from the you know from the ground up and understand an artist from the ground up he's not going to work with someone because they just have 10 million followers well, i think Rick rubin's
1: whole vibe is to strip away anything that's superfluous and extraneous and just find the heart of the song you know so anything that, that you write that's that's got stuff that's disingenuous or just unnecessary he'll take it away and then you'll find out, for better or worse, what the, what the, what the song is, you know. I, I think he's a genius, like I've totally I've mm. up listening to his uh, productions over the years and I just think he's always consistently found what, what matters in the music, you know, and, and mm. I, I, he emphasized that and I think he's great. You know?
0: talk a little bit about um christmas music because yeah. <laughs> i think like you know it's this thing that just got its own uh, genre really you know yeah. like um it, it's like mario carrie now you know for as a, as a obvious example um like she used to release singles at other times in the year now she literally just the whole year is about planning her whole christmas stuff yeah. um and it's actually a very small pocket of people that are in that that bracket of having a hugely successful Christmas song and you guys are in that bracket, you know, 2003, Mm -hmm. um, you had a great Christmas song, which, which is now a staple diet, you know, like, how do you, I want to know how do you write a great Christmas song? (laughs) Have you, was that your first effort? And do you think that yours is there because you wrote it and it was at the, at the height of your success, you know, you had an amazing year. And then in that year of your, you know, your highest, you, that you were at that time you wrote Christmas song and got it in there and then that's there What yeah. do you think I, it's
1: I definitely think it, it was partly because of the timing of it because what the reason why it came about was uh, our label um, they hadn't they hadn't actually an artist you know like we, we gave them a record um, and um, they helped us sort of build a campaign they supported us and and believed in us and they were brilliant I mean it's it, it's kind of Counterintuitive to how you'd imagine a relationship that a band like us would have with a major label, but we just it really enjoyed it, and, and that, that year was particularly, you know, fruitful. Yeah, um, so at some point around about late summer, they said, What do you want to do next? and we laughingly replied, A Christmas song just to see their reaction. <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, okay, cool. Gave us a list of producers, gave us a list of studios, gave us a list of engineers, and that was all they did. So we said, Okay, we'll have Bob Ezrin. We'll have Chenzo Townsend and we'll have Abbey Road. Oh,
0: Chenzo, I know him very yeah. well. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's He's amazing the best too.
1: Best of, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. and it was a really great experience um, because when we actually record, we, we wrote it and we were sort of rehearsing it. Bob came down, he uh, listened to the arrangement, suggested a key change, which was inspired um, and also helped me with the lyrics. And he sort of, he got me to do some, repetition of the and, and it hurts the the hurts line that was kind of like i would never do that i would always try and find mm-hmm. a rhyme, but he convinced me to to go for that and he was right you know he's, he, everything we did was right on that song and um so he was brilliant um we had three days in um abbey road to actually it was two days the first day we we did the track and um then the next day bob ezrin um, recorded the children and the chromatic percussion while we went hmm. to the Kerrang Awards and won a couple of awards and got completely <laughs> and then we came in the next day Um Bob Edwin wasn't there he'd already gone home to mix it and um, Chenzo recorded us so hungover it's unbelievable to do the oh beat
0: yeah those Kerrang Awards are just lethal
1: they used to be way
0: Oh my God. Yeah. I just get way out quick now.
1: Yeah. I get
0: out quick now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kerrang Awards when we were sitting together. Was that, was that a Kerrang one or was that a
0: That was a Kerrang Awards. Um, we, that was like four years ago now, actually. While, I think it was pre-COVID. It was just, it was just before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Lovely yeah. times. Yeah. Um, Lovely times.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that whole Christmas thing is, is like the, the way you do it, yeah, I think we we started backwards from the chorus, really. Um and I I just had this thing in my head that I wanted to get bell's end and ring piece in a in a Christmas song and <laughs> And you <laughs> that did. Was, that was basically my only my only kind and of And that, that uh, outfit
0: that. can only be described as gay at heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely gay at heart. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, so really it was just um you know, go for the go for the um innuendos get the sleigh bells and the children and you can make yeah, anything. Sound like a, yeah, exactly.
0: Your band has always kind of skirted this line between taking the piss. Is it serious? as it take the piss? Are you well aware of that or is it just you just do what you do? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's that like you said earlier, you've, you've got to sort of to do the thing that we do, which is, you know, no, no backing tracks. No, no, not even click tracks. Everything's everything that we do live, we do live and there's a certain You have to be proficient (laughs) to a degree and you don't get to be proficient without years of studying and practicing you know you you have to learn the craft to be able to subvert it i think and um so but we do at the same time what we love is taking male vanity and pricking it you know we do stuff that's kind of like challenges that i think that's kind of like that's my, that's the thing that turns me on the most you know because it is preposterous like that that type of music moves me and it makes me cry and it makes me happy and it makes me dance and all that stuff but at the same time there's elements of the lifestyle that that just it's just a, like you're just a big baby <laughs> you know? yeah it is yeah. and it is it's, really it's 24 forever yeah exactly it's a preposterous way to live and 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 um we try and embrace that in the in the stuff that we do um And it comes across in the music and it's definitely there when we do live stuff and it's there in the videos and it makes people worry if we're if they're being tricked by something that's like a big industry prank or something like that but i think we've weathered that now nobody really talks about it anymore because it's kind of you get to doing it for 20 25 years and it's like well it doesn't matter if it's serious yeah. I've just always been like this you know
0: yeah that's 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 who you are
1: I love that <laughs> thing about gay at heart that's when um well it, it,
0: it, until, in many ways rock music is always you know especially the 80s and then yeah. you know some of the 70s you know Rob powerful. Yeah, you think. know there's like a, a there's a masculinity and a kind of there's a masculinity and a misogyny at the same time you yeah. know it's like yeah. it's sexist and gay at the same time i was fine you know yeah, there's, a, there's like a running thread there topic, toxic confusion that's a good way to describe <laughs> it you've done a lot of stuff and we haven't really gone back because i think there's a lot of questions that you've been asked before and i i i'm i'm like you as an artist you know we just get bored of him they all the answers don't change so i don't there's no point asking you know what your early influences and that kind of stuff because you know yeah. people could just google that but um one thing it seems to me that you've never really done is a, have you done a Justin Hawkins album a solo album
1: I haven't no never done it you've done um, you've
0: done you've worked with various different kind of but it's always sounded like it's a band it always sounds like a group of musicians yeah. and sounded like a band
1: yeah I did um, an album where I played everything but it was like when I toured it it was a band and I, and I think I didn't want it to be like a solo thing because I was kind of identifying as a band but it wasn't really and it was kind of like I've got some stuff that I would love to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I think um, the way I look at it now is like for... The darkness's audience doesn't need to be challenged. Like, we don't, I don't want to make something that, that turns people off. And I want, I want stuff that has the cadence and the intensity to actually sit in the set with the stuff from the first record. We're yeah. a rock and roll band. I mean, that's what we should be doing. I mean, yeah. we, we have a sort of way of subverting it that, that gives it its, unique flavor but, that, and but that's the sound yeah yeah and, it's, and that's a that's a collaboration with me my brother and frankie and rufus and that's how it should always be um but there's other things that i want to do like um that definitely don't sit in the darkness's oeuvre make it and live survive in the, in the darkness's life set then i think it's for me um and it can still be something that rocks but it'll be maybe it'll be a bit, a bit more progressive maybe it'll be a bit more croony i'm really really excited about things like the Cardiacs and scott walker so that when i say prog i mean that kind of weird yeah. stuff, not as opposed to you know not 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 the rush or tool end of it i mean i mean sort of um more like more like cardiacs <laughs> <laughs> um so i've got a load of stuff that i've been working on really really slowly um and it's and it's important to me that i get that out there at some point and i'll definitely do it under my own name but uh, yeah. i would probably have my brother mix it at the very least because i think he's really good at that and he understands me <laughs> in a way that perhaps but I. He'll, don't. Keep, he'll keep the same the, the, <laughs> the, the,
0: the, fla- yeah, the flavors that you, that you're trying to, trying to yeah. capture. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, we should yeah.
0: look forward to that. It might be a couple of years from now, but you know, yeah, think, or five years from now, who knows? The year
1: after. you'll be in the next two years. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's really lovely talking to you actually. It's interesting. Uh, having an interview with you, you're so um, gentle and very thoughtful. You know, very, very. Uh, it's, it's all strikes me as interesting when I actually talk to people than when I've, I've seen you around in various things and, hmm. you know, Moss singer and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was uh, funny, yeah. wasn't it? Because I think we were, we were. Um unable to actually interact in any way yeah
0: we, we weren't yeah we were very close i kind of guessed it was you though because <laughs> I, mean... I guess i knew your voice it's uh lovely talking to you really is and thank yeah, you, you so much for being on this show it's uh you're very refreshing face uh, to talk to and spend some time with so as are you thank you so much you. Uh, if you come to new york i'm gonna um, i'll see it come up and then i'll uh, dm you and i'll come see you play
1: lovely stuff all right look forward uh, to it Have a lovely
0: um, rest of your day.
1: You too.